all of us of any age, either 25, 26, 27 years old, we, or above, we remember what we were doing that day when we heard the horrific news. I was with about 300 of my fellow clergy up at Canuga uh, in the retreat center near Hendersonville, North Carolina. We were there for a continuing education event and, and I had slipped out of the conference room and I was in the lounge talking to uh, the Reverend Willis Green who is presently serving at First Church here in High Point. As she and I were talking, her husband David Green came rushing into the lounge and I'll never forget what he said. He said, we're under attack. And I'll never forget how I felt when I heard those words. I, I felt in a way that I never felt before and I've never felt since. To feel like we here in the United States of America were under attack. Unlike most nations in the world, our wars have been fought elsewhere. But the terror, the horror of that day left all of us with a deep and abiding impression. There at Canuga, we scrambled to find a television. It was a retreat, is a retreat center. We struggled to gather around the television to see what was happening. And when it became apparent what was happening, uh, our bishop that we were meeting with called us back together into the chapel at Canuga, and we just prayed, and our bishop sent us home so that we could come home and be with our congregations, especially be with our families. And I remember driving back, making arrangements for a prayer service to occur that evening in my congregation, but the overwhelming feeling that I had as I was driving home was I, I just had to see my wife and my children. I wanted to be in their presence. I particularly wanted to hold my children. That night we did gather in our sanctuary and we, we prayed. Basically, we prayed the Psalms. And you may know that in the Psalms, there are many, many references to our enemies. That night, praying those Psalms, those references to our enemies took on a new meaning for all of us. And I remember that night trying to make the decision whether or not Tammy and I and our two young children, middle school and high school at that point, whether or not we were going to leave in just a couple days to fly to New York City. And I'm sure a lot of people thought we absolutely should not do that. We already just happened to have arrangements to fly to New York City to watch the Braves Mets baseball game there. And I didn't know if that was going to happen or not after the airplanes had been grounded. But I will always remember the words of Harry Puckett to me that night. Harry traveled every week internationally. And Harry now is on the other side of eternity. But I remember asking Harry, I said, are, are, you, are you going to fly this week? And he said something that really has been formative to me. He said, Jeff, I am going to fly this week. 
He said, terrorists might determine how I die, but they will never determine how I live. And I was reminded that, that as a Christ follower, I should build my life on faith and not on fear. So within just a couple days, Tammy and I and the kids, we, we went to New York City. I, I, I'm sure I did not know what we were in for going to New York City. Uh, I, I'll never forget that on that large airplane that took us to New York City, there were a total of 11 people on that plane, four of which were Pattersons. And I remember going into New York City and entering that city right after the events of 9-11 changed me and changed my family forever. I particularly remember that when my children headed to college and they wrote those essays that you have to write to get in college, they both referenced how transformative that time was when we went to New York City right after 9-11. It was almost as if the whole city was covered with a, a pall of silence. The smoke was still rising, not only from ground zero, but the smoke was still rising from all of the grates throughout the city. All over the city, I'll never forget this, all over the city were the, were the posters of people looking for their loved ones. People were so grateful that we had come. I saw such love and grace and hospitality that day because of course as, as soon as we opened our mouths they knew we were not native to New York. And they were so grateful that we, we still came. And part of what I wanted to do was just be with the people there as they were trying to process the experience they had just had, that experience we all watched on television. And we did go to the Braves-Mets game. That was the first public event held in New York City after the events of 9-11. And again, I, I, I'll never forget that baseball game, it really was a memorial for all those lives that had been lost on 9-11. It was an amazing time to be in that city, and particularly in that city during those days following the events of 9-11, I saw God at work. God certainly, and you need to hold on to this, God certainly was not at work in those terrorist attacks. That was pure, sheer evil. But in the days following 9-11, God was at work watching all of those people go in and out of ground zero. All of those people doing their work of the recovery of survivors, which soon became the recovery of victims. And just being there in that city that had been transformed, we were all transformed by the events of 9-11, but can you imagine how that city was transformed by the events of 9-11? Just a couple days before 
we got on the plane and went to 9-11, I was given the task, as I am every Sunday, of going into my pulpit right after 9-11 and bringing some good news to bear on that day. And I remember what text I preached from that day, and it's a text that's always been very, very important to me, informative for me, and dear to me, but it's been much more so since the events of 9-11. When I went into the pulpit that day, still processing the events of 9-11, getting ready to fly into New York City, the text I preached from was Psalm 46. You heard it read just a few moments ago. I hope that all of us here in this place, we, we live a Psalm 46 life. We live a life of tremendous confidence in Jesus Christ. We live a life of great, great faith in God. A confidence that can carry us through even the worst of tragedies in life. So this was the text I shared that morning God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Hebrew there can also be translated a well-proved help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, the psalmist says. And we can only make that affirmation, friends. Therefore, we will not fear if we can say, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountain tremble with its tumult. There is a river, the psalmist says, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Well, of course, anytime you're in the Psalms and you see a reference to the city or that city, we know what city is being referenced. It's Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And for those of you that have been to Jerusalem, some of you have been to Jerusalem with me, one of the things you perhaps remember is there is no river in Jerusalem. There's no physical, literal river in Jerusalem. They have the Pool of Bethesda. They have the Pool of Siloam. They have a tunnel that takes water from the Pool of Siloam into the city. But there's no river, no physical, literal river in the city of Jerusalem. But that's not what the psalmist is talking about here. When the psalmist says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, the psalmist goes on to tell us about this river. God is in the midst of the city. The river that the psalmist is referencing is the presence of God. That's the river. That's the river of life-giving water that can bring life to us. That's the river of which the psalmist speaks. God is in the midst of the city, and because God is in the midst of the city, the psalmist says, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. And in the Old Testament world, it was at the dawning of the morning when the enemy was most likely to attack. So God will help it when the enemy attacks. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's a refrain that occurs twice in this psalm. And then the psalmist offers an invitation. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then for me and for many of us, verse 10 of Psalm 46 is one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. If you're looking at Psalm 46, you'll notice that when you get to verse 10, there's quotation marks around verse 10. At verse 10, another voice joins the voice of the psalmist. The psalmist has been speaking up to this point, but in verse 10, there's another voice, capital V. In verse 10, God interrupts the psalmist and speaks. In verse 10, is God who says, Be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew literally means cease striving. Stop. Chill out. Let go. Take a Sabbath. Learn how to Shabbat. And recognize that I am God. I'm so glad that God interrupted the psalmist with those words. You know, in the New Testament, the words of Jesus oftentimes are, are written in red. I'm not sure what color we should use for the words of God when God speaks like this in the Bible. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Just cease striving, stop, chill out. Learn how to Sabbath because God continues to work. And then God says, I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Notice the present tense there. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Those of us who are Christ followers, we are those people who know that Christ is exalted right now. One day all the universe will know the exaltation of Christ. And then the psalm ends with the refrain again, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know God. In those days in New York City following 9-11, that was so transformative for me and my family. We saw God at work in so many ways. From the moment that those first responders ran toward the danger, and for many days after that, we saw God at work there in New York City. And first responders, please, please know that we know the sacrifice that you make. Please know that we realize we don't tell you thank you often enough. We do realize that when we run away from danger, you run toward the danger. We know the sacrifice that you and your families make. So thank you for that. In my Bible, there's four things that I have tucked in there that have, some of them have been tucked in there for 30 years. There are things that I need close to me in my preaching Bible on Sunday morning. Um, I've never told you what I 
have tucked in my Bible. One of the things I have tucked in my Bible is a love letter from my wife, Tammy, that's about 30 years old. And you thought I wasn't romantic. Look at that. <laughs> I also have tucked in my Bible a photograph from 1953 of the Reverend Ken Goodson who back in those days was pastor of First Methodist Church High Point. But King Goodson went on to become a bishop in our church, and King Goodson had a tremendous impact on my life, particularly when I was in seminary. So I've got a photograph from 1953 of the young Ken Goodson, the preacher, Ken Goodson, and you'll never believe what he's doing. He's eating fried chicken. And I do have a photograph, and I have shared this with you, I believe. I do have a photograph in my Bible of a wood carving of one of my ancestors, John Rogers, who in February of 1555 was burned at the stake in England because he dared, along with William Tyndall, he dared to translate the Bible from Latin into the language of the people. But the other thing that I've had in my Bible for a, for a long time is a copy of the photograph of five first responders carrying out of the rubble the first certified fatality of 9-11. And you may remember that the first certified fatality of 9-11 was Father Michael Judge, the Catholic priest who was a chaplain there in the fire departments. And he, with those other first responders, rushed into the building and the rubble that was falling killed Father Michael. So I keep a photograph of them carrying his body out of the rubble. Following 9-11, we saw God at work in so many, many ways. And we know that the God that we saw at work was the God who is, who is our sure refuge and defense, a very present help in time of trouble. That God that has always proven himself true to us. The Sunday we were up there, which would have been the second Sunday following 9-11, we worshiped at that great church, St. John the Divine Cathedral. And I'll never forget what that magnificent choir sang. That magnificent choir sang the old African-American spiritual, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. A long way from home. A long way from home. I don't know how people go through life punctuated with tragedies small and great without a relationship, as you said, Jay, with the living God through Jesus Christ. I don't know how people make it through the difficult days and the horrific days without the reality of God in their life. Friends, I hope that you, I hope that each one of us here today know this God who is our refuge, our fortress, and our strength.
We don't just know about this God, but we know this God. It is Jesus Christ and our relationship with Jesus Christ that has ushered us into a relationship with this God. And then and there we find the resources. We find the resources. So today we remember the 3,000 who lost their lives, the 6,000 that were injured, the almost 3,000 people who have died since then because of illness related to their work of recovery at the site of the ruins of the World Trade Center and at the Pentagon and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So we remember because we refuse to forget and we pray that our remembrance will draw us closer to God and make us make us better human beings. Would you pray with me? God, I pray.